Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Practical Spirituality. Positive Messages. This is UnityOnlineRadio.org. The Voice of an Awakening World. Welcome to World Spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions with your host, Rev. Paul John Roach. Okay, hello and welcome to World Spirituality on the Unity Online Radio Network. I'm your host, Paul John Rhodes, coming to you from Fort Worth in Texas. Today I welcome the author of First Nations Crystal Healing, working with the teachers of the Mineral Kingdom. Uh, Luke Blue Eagle has been working with crystals for several decades and has received training in indigenous healing arts with several First Nation elders and teachers in both Canada and the U.S. So it's a pleasure to welcome Luke Blue Eagle to today's show. Welcome. Glad you're with us. Thank you for having me. The book is carefully written. It's it's systematic. It's, It's a workbook, really, isn't it? You can use it to really guide yourself through healing practices and frequent yourself with... um with crystals, lots of tools and guidance, guided meditations. You said that the, you say at the beginning of the book that there's a difference between uh, First Nations crystal healing and what we've come to know as you know healing crystals in the New Age sense. So, what is the big difference? Do you think? Yes, the big difference is that in the New Age, uh, they will say that uh, this or that crystal will do this or that. And uh, we consider that the crystal is not doing anything. It's the person behind the crystal that's doing something. The Mm. crystal is only an amplifier. It's only a transformer of your energy. And so we begin by working with the first crystal you need to work with is yourself. And that's the major difference that we have. Also, we don't, you know, we didn't have all that many crystals, so we don't have as many crystals as most of these uh, New Age books will talk about. But the ones that we do have have been uh, used for centuries, millennia, and uh, countless uh, um, therapeutic teachers and uh, healers that have handed down generation after generation. So it's stuff that really works. You don't pass on something that doesn't work. You pass on something that really works. So that's the, off the bat, I think, would be the two major differences I see in the approach to crystal healing. Yeah, interesting. So it's almost almost like crystals are a portal or something by which the energies can flow. Um, and you could have an in, in intentionality around that, right? You could imbue the crystal with a, a certain energy um, that you would want, you know, in a, in a, in particular circumstances so and and i think that's why some people sort of uh, look down on new age because they say oh, well you're giving away your power to external things right and uh, this is not that way is it you, the, the power is flowing in and through you and in through the crystals um but it's directly from source right so the source is always available and um, can use many formats if you like Yes, that's one way of describing it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So you talk about setting the context, um, and uh, that's always important to uh, know why you're doing something, right, and the energy that you're creating. And, of course, we're familiar with certain buzzwords like, you know, awareness and um, consciousness and and whatnot. But you also have a couple of other things I thought were interesting. the 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 contraries the um the seeming paradoxes right a part of spiritual life is learning to live with apparent con- paradox or conundrum if you like yes i don't see where you got that in my book uh, we 
pretty straightforward. The main thing about crystal healing is that you're using um, the power of a, a healer, the, the human person, and their capacity to uh, send forth different types of energy, being uh, electromagnetic energy, being mental energy, being emotional energy, uh, being etheric energy, being spiritual energy, and you're using the crystals to amplify that. Uh, but you have to be very clear on the intentions you're working with. You know, I've seen some of these New Age healers saying they were healing somebody and they're sending energy. Well, what kind of energy? What's your energy doing? Where are you sending it? How are you sending it? And all this is very important because everything is energy. You know, actually what we consider to be solid matter is just frequencies. And that the modern-day science, quantum physics, have uh, discovered that. You know, they thought that they had found the smallest unity of matter when they found the atom. And then they found out that actually 99.99% of that what they consider to be the atom is actually empty, and there's a, a particle in there that's going back and forth at a very high speed, and that's what's creating the frequency that gives us the idea that there's matter there, but it's actually just a frequency. And everything that we see is actually frequency and energy. It's the way you um, put an intention to that energy, how you make it flow, that will determine if you're good at healing or not. And the crystal will come to amplify that if you're able to hold on to an intention with, you know, uh, you know strongly. You know, try think, uh, just thinking one single thought for one minute, and you'll see that it's not that easy. You know, to have uh, control over your mind, to have control over your emotions, and then to be able to control also electromagnetic energy is something that needs training. Uh, years of training. Usually, we would start giving the crystal after 12 years of training. Uh, today, we go a lot faster because we are really in a time uh, space where uh, everything is evolving very fast. We're at the end of times in this world cycle. We're moving into another world cycle. And so we're giving a lot faster the information uh, than we used to because it's needed right now. And people are evolving also a lot faster but in a traditional sense, you know, you have to work on yourself for quite a long time to be able to master yourself. And then when you're able to generate powerful healing energies, that's what, uh, and using that with your hands first, when you're able to do it with your hands, then we'll move on faster and go to a more powerful healing, uh, which can actually be as, you know, as uh, focalized as a laser beam. Uh, with the crystal, you know, it g just gives a lot more power and um, a lot more precision to your healing uh, modality. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think when I mentioned, uh, you know, one of the contexts, I think it was around laughter. You know, you you say that your tradition um, uses laughter and a sort of trickster mentality sometimes. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got that's where I was. That, that's what okay. I was yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah the Heyoka mentality. Well, that's very close to actually all indigenous people, but especially to those that I'm close to here where I live, the Innu people, uh, they're always, uh, you know, teasing each other, always laughing. And that's, you know, it's a part of the, um, it's a part of all native traditions. People laugh a lot. The people are very close and they laugh a lot because you don't want to take yourself too seriously. You know, uh, we're, we're very small in the universe, and if you start taking yourself seriously, well, you're going to inflate your ego, and you're going to make a lot of mistakes because it's a transitory thing. You're always changing. What you think is yourself today is quite different tomorrow. And from lifetime to lifetime, you know, you don't retain any of those um, personality traits. You change every time you come. So if you learn to laugh at yourself, and then... Uh, you uh, can evolve a lot faster because laughter is a transformative energy. You know, it has the diaphragm going up and down. It transforms the energy in the solar plexus. It's something that's very healthy. It really up uh, puts your uh, vital energy a lot higher. You know, it's it's a very it's very important to to uh, and and they're actually uh, holy people. That it's their mission in life is to have people laugh. We call them the contraries, the hayokas. They were, you know, it's the kind of person you know when you're in a very serious ceremony and you've been very serious for, you know, hours at end, and they'll come rushing in, you know, and fall all over themselves. And 
and try to take the the substance that we're using and then rather than and spill it all over themselves, you know, and this kind of antiques, you know, will get everybody laughing. And that's really healthy. This is really good. Uh, so, you know, uh, it's a part of a native life, and that's also what happened made it possible for them to survive everything that's happened ever since the Europeans arrived in this country. All the genocidal policies and actions that were taking against Native Americans and continue to be taken against Native Americans all over, uh, you know, until there's very powerful ones in the 20th century that, you know, were horrendous if we're talking about the residential schools and how to survive all that. Well, if you learn how to laugh about these things, it makes it easier to, to move through them. Yeah, goodness knows we we need laughter in our in our world right now, right? Because everybody's choosing off sides. It's very divisive, um, both politically and uh, in other contexts. You know, we, nation to nation, uh, the the divide we see in our own uh, nation here in America. Um, you mentioned the the you know, residential schools that's been in the news in in Canada in recent months, and yeah, there, there's there's a lot of anger, right? And um, I think laughter helps to diffuse anger yes it, it it's it's buoyant it, it takes us away from that heavy dark uh, consciousness that uh, that weighs us down so yeah, it's definitely a good a good idea and we're not laughing at people right because i think there is a form of laughter out there a form of humor out there which is at other people's expense right whereas we're talking about laughter that that is uh, laughing at the um the craziness of the human condition right and and Drawing, drawing everybody up through that laughter. Yeah, you're right. And also, uh, there is a, a kind of teasing that's an educational tool. You know, the Native people didn't punish their children. They, are, they were actually horrified when they saw Europeans punishing, physically punishing their children, because they would never do that. They don't, they don't uh, act towards each other in this way. What they'll use is humor. You know, if somebody has, you know, we all go through some growing pains you know we all have some traits that need to be transformed sometimes or we're not the best you know around other people and rather than uh trying to uh, uh train people with punishment which is you know very harmful to a person's psyche uh, they would tease them and so nobody likes to be teased you know it's uncomfortable but it's not it doesn't uh, you know attack your integrity as a person it just makes you uncomfortable so as you're not attacked, you don't retrench yourself, you know, you don't try to protect yourself, you don't close up yourself, uh, as punishment would do. You rather try to change, and you'll try to change faster. So, you know, they even uh, would have these um, evenings where they would make little sayonets, you know, little uh, theater plays when they would mock, you know, this or this other person, you know, by making fun of them in a in a way that, uh, you know, this it's funny, everybody's laughing, so it's not a punishment, but it's uncomfortable. So you learn to change faster, much faster, because you're not retrenching, you're not protecting yourself, you, you know it's out of love that people are doing this, it's just so uncomfortable that you want to change, and fast, you know. So it's an educational tool. It's much better than the punishment and reward that we see in this uh, in this uh, society, this European society that's taken over Canada and the United States, where uh, the training principles of uh, punishment and reward come from outside the person. We have an educational system that has the uh, training come from within the person. You know, you're, you're, you're calling upon the person's only self, health, self-esteem, sense of right and wrong, uh, and using that for the person to change from within. So when there's a change, it's permanent. And also, you know, there's one thing that we've noticed about the Western way of training people with punishment is that people get the idea as long as they're not caught, it's okay, because there's no punishment if you don't get caught. So they can do anything they want as long as they don't get caught, because it's something that comes from the outside. It's not inner training, it's outer training. So that's why we have so much criminality in uh, Western countries that use punishment. You know, the prisons are full and they always have to build more. And it's the, actually the best school of crime you can find because they're with other people, you know, who have that lifestyle. So they learn how to do it better. So it's not anywhere. And, it, and they're not treating the people nicely where they can expect them to get a better personality, of course. They're punishing them in extreme ways. 
I've worked in prisons for for native uh, inmates, and I know how horrible it is. You know, it, it, it doesn't work. You know, you're better training with love than and humor is a part of doing that. It's an educational tool. Unfortunately, we have this uh, sort of macho attitude, don't we? That uh, you know, I got to be tough, right? And so I've got to take my punishment. Uh, and we see it in hazing in in universities, right? Where where new newbie students uh, are put through their paces, but it gets more and more extreme, and then you know people have died from these things, and and, and it's it's too bad that that um, that that kind of mentality, you know, is. Uh, I remember being in high school myself and thinking that those are the worst years of my life because they were they were endless mocking and teasing and and putting down and calling names, and I was glad to get out of there. Uh, but you know the good thing about it, I guess, is it helps you to desensitize and to put up with the hard knocks of life, right? That that's one good thing about it. But it, but in general, like you say, it, it's uh, it's kind of productive, and it, it um, unfortunately educates people to to bad practices rather rather than um, expansive practices. Let's get back to healing. The, the the preliminary to healing is to recognize everything's connected, right? Um, that's sort of a holistic attitude to, and, and I think Native American spirituality is is very attuned to that. Yeah, that um, you know the 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 hoop of the world, if you like, the the interconnected web of everything. And I think you see that in a lot of religions, um, see in Hinduism and uh, Buddhism, that we're, we're all one. Actually, we're all connected. Yes, and we all come from the same source. Everything is related. You know, by if by the, our lifestyle today, where we're eliminating a lot of the natural species, well, the earth is suffering every time. And as we are a part of this earth, we we come from this earth, we are part of this earth, and that we are working against this work, uh, this this world. You know, we're we're damaging the ecology at a very fast pace. Well, the same thing manifests within the human race through a form that is cancer. Cancer is a reflection of the way we're working with the world. If you're harming the world, well, you're harming yourself. So everything is interrelated in this way. So you you have to work in complete interdependence with everything that is with respect. And that's one of the things with crystals. One of the first things we learn to do is to have respect for the crystal in the way we treat the crystal. We consider it as a living being. And by having this kind of respect, you can then communicate, you know, with that being. If you don't have the respect for that being, it's like if you don't respect a person in your environment, that person will be very open to communicating with you. They don't want to have nothing to do with you because you're not respectful of who they are. Well, the same exists with everything in the, in the world because everything is alive. Crystals are alive. The wind is alive. The waters are alive. There's one thing in this world that's not alive, and that's technology. That's dead because it doesn't reproduce. It, you know, it just falls into disrepair, and you have to do some more, and, and it costs a lot to the planet. You know, Technology is dead. That's the only thing that's really dead in our world. And, uh, but everything else in the natural world is alive. You, know, you can communicate with everything. You can communicate with the, even with the stars. You know, there's, there's nothing that's not interrelated in and that you can't communicate. It's just on your level of development that determines what and with what you can communicate and with who you can communicate because the the world is vast and there's a lot more in the invisible realms than there is in the physical realms. So you can imagine, you know, what we see, which is incredibly vast with all the galaxies around us, that's only a small part of what exists, you know. So imagine how how many beings exist in that. So that's one of the characteristics of the native uh, worldview is that they communicate with a wide variety of different beings. Uh, that and some of them are non-corporeal, you know. Some are, don't have a physical body, and that's what we identify as being when we call a a person a shaman. What all shamans have in common all over the planet Earth that are indigenous is that they communicate with spirits. They communicate with non-corporeal beings. Which is a fascinating subject, isn't it? And, uh, you know, 
I would say that the you know that interpenetrates us too, right? There's there's many aspects of ourselves that are non-corporate, you know, that that don't seem to have a physical, uh, but they're very much present, you know, um, yep. inner landscapes, if you like, in, inner awarenesses, yep. um, which is another fascinating subject. Um, I like, you know, one of the preliminaries, like you said, is understanding that everything's um, part and parcel of the one, that, that the crystals are living entities. Um, and, and you mentioned respect for, for Mother Earth, which, which is part and parcel of what we just talked about. But you also say, you know, a spiritual practice is important. And I, I love that you didn't limit it to spirit. You know, the spiritual practice is in the mind and in the body as well, right? You talk about eating well and getting sleep and, and drinking pure water. So spirit interpenetrates everything. I think there's a an idea in the West that, um, you know, there's the physical and then there's the spiritual and they're two different things. Whereas uh, I don't think that's true, right? There's, they interpenetrate each other. The spiritual is what creates the body. And uh, your, your mind is what has created the vehicle in which you live. And if you don't honor that, if you don't take care of that, you're not honoring yourself. You're not uh, honoring your spirit, you know. You, you're actually, uh, it's a school. This vessel that we carry is a school. And the better you take care of it, the better you will evolve, the better you will advance on your life mission. We all come here with goals, you know, uh, evolutionary goals that we have come to uh, perfect, you know, on our way to, uh, you know, to becoming even greater than what we are. And human beings are great beings because they can create. And uh, so, but we can create more and more on very different levels. At some level, we'll be able to create you know, galaxies, you know, we are that embodiment of uh, a spirit, you know, we have that creator spirit within, that's a part of us that is incorporeal, as you were saying, and there's another part of us that's incorporeal, and that's what we call the soul, and that's what retains the lessons of life, that's what retains your memories from life to life. Of course, you forget when you come into this world, you can come to a level of development where you can remember past lives, but normally you forget everything when you're reborn, so you got here with a clean slate, and you start anew the lessons that you have given yourself to learn in this lifetime. So it's very important, and for a healer, well, that is vitally important, because you can't give to another what you don't have yourself. You know, you really, if you're going to carry people back to health, uh, you have to learn how to heal yourself. And that's why most shamans in many, many different cultures begin by being sick, uh, uh, lots of them, or by undergoing extreme initiations that will project them out of the body, that are so difficult to endure that it will project them out of the body. And once they've been out there in the spirit realm, well, they can do it easier. Uh, you know, they know the path. They know how to do to get there. So uh, you, by learning to heal yourself, by taking care of yourself, then you can help and take care of others. Yeah, we've noticed, noted this many times on, on the show that, uh, you know, trauma or turmoil or extreme situations uh, seem to be the prelude to spiritual awakening. It doesn't always happen that way, but often it does. And there's many great teachers on this planet who, you know, have suffered greatly in their young life and had these breakthrough moments. And, and I guess a vision quest or some such um, testing like that in in the in the Native American tradition, you know, is again opening opening you up. We had somebody on the show a couple of weeks ago who had several out of body experiences when she was younger, and, and uh, you know, gained a great amount of awakening as a result uh, as a result of that because it moved her beyond her identification with just the physical and. Um, this is a powerful thing, isn't it? Because then we're we're free to to enter into the larger realm, which we are. We're at the break. Um, there's a beautiful prayer in the book on page 122, and I'm wondering if it would be appropriate to read for you to read that, Luke, when we come back after the break, because I think it encapsulates a lot what a lot of what you talk about. And it's just beautifully and poetically done. Would you think that would be good? Because I think our listeners would love to hear that. Sure, I can do that. Okay, good. 
Uh, so, folks, I, I am with uh, Luke Blue Eagle. We're talking about his uh, his workbook, First Nations Crystal Healing. Got a lot of information in here. I recommend you get it if you're at all interested in these subjects. And uh, we're going to take a break, uh, listen to these messages from Unity, and we'll be back in a couple of minutes for that prayer. Don't understand. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 Awaken to the divine within. You're listening to UnityOnlineRadio.org. We now return to World Spirituality with Reverend Paul John Roach. So welcome back to today's show. I'm with Luke Blue Eagle, and we're talking about his uh, lovely book, First Nations Crystal Healing. And in that book it is a beautiful prayer. I was very moved by it when I read the book. And uh, it's a prayer of uniting with, with spirit, but also with, with everything that's around us and within us and, and before us and after us. And uh, a prayer of gratitude and thanksgiving. And I thought it'd be lovely to ask uh, Luke if he'd read the poem. Read the poem. I say poem. It's it's a poetic prayer. Um, read it because I think it's an uplifting thing for all of us to to listen to and to contemplate and get centered in, uh, especially right now with, with so many stresses going on in our society, uh, impacting our own personal lives. It, it's good to center ourselves in the truth of our being. So, uh, Luke uh, Blue Eagle is going to read this uh, this offering a prayer uh, to spirit. Thank you, Luke. You're welcome. So, this is a prayer that I gave uh, spontaneously at the beginning of one of my meditations, and it was transcribed, and re- then we put it in the book. So, here we go, uh, centering ourselves and... Creator, Great Spirit, O Great Mystery, O Most Holy Divine Mother, Heavenly Father, Mother Earth, wise protectors of the four directions, guardian spirits who watch over us, grandfathers and grandmothers, ancestors who walked the earth before us, I humbly pray to thank you for all that has been given to us. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for our food and clothing and the shelter in which we live. Thank you for the spiritual practice and teachings and for the spiritual lineages that have enabled us to receive these teachings. Thank you for all those that have helped us and love us. Thank you for our families. Thank you for the trials that are sent to us, for all the lessons that life gives us. Thank you for all those who have made it possible for us to live and communicate together today. Thank you for these days in which we live together and for the medicine that we can share and for all those who have made it possible. And we pray that you bless the most holy Mother Earth, that you bless her valleys, mountains, and plains, her streams, rivers, lakes, oceans, clouds, and rain, her fires, volcanoes, lightning, and winds from the eight directions. Bless the bones of Mother Earth, her crystals, stones, rocks, and metals. Bless Mother Earth's hair, her vegetables, fruits, trees, plants, herbs, seaweed, and forests. Bless the children of Mother Earth, those who fly in the air, swim in the waters, crawl on the earth, the four-legged and the insects. Bless the young and the children, the old and the elderly, all those who have left this life and all those who have not been yet born. Bless all those who guide and teach us, all the teachings they carry, and all those who walk with them on the sacred path. We pray that these crystal teachings be honored, carried with respect, and produce much healing for all our relations. We pray for ourselves who are in need of healing, for the earth which needs healing. This is my prayer. Aho. 
Vadolt is nagyon vigyös kicsomantó. Beautiful. Thank you very much. And uh, I hope everybody listening is can feel that energy and, and it's permeating your your being and, and giving you that uh, sense of peace and, and uh, centeredness and ability today, uh, because we always have those qualities, but sometimes they're obscured, you know, with our worrying and our fretting and our forgetfulness. So it's it's good to remember who we are in truth. So thank you for that. Um, and you you mentioned in that the, the four directions and um, you know that's a beautiful symbolism, isn't it? The uh, and the powers that are invoked through the these four directions. You talk about that in the in the book, and it's it's key to Native American spirituality. I noticed you mentioned the eight directions. Talk about that. Uh, well, you also have the in-between directions, which are also important. The four directions are great angelic beings that were put here at the beginning of the Earth as a planet, and uh, they have specific uh, energies. But the winds that they create, uh, they come in, in, four, in eight uh, directions. They, they, they are eightfold. And so a lot of our meditations, we consider all eight of the directions, the southwest and uh, northeast and all, you know, the in-between directions that are uh, part of our uh, traditions also, which have uh, specific meanings also. Yeah, and I think people who are familiar with the old religions of, uh, of Europe and other areas, uh, you know, are familiar with the eight directions too. And this, you know, it's... Uh, it's become an element of uh, Wicca and Celtic mythology and whatnot. So, um, yeah, we're familiar with with that that, that uh, following the year as well through the eight directions is is can be powerful. Um, you mentioned there's three um, laws of healing, uh, which I found quite fascinating, and I'll just sketch them out. The first one is love, unconditional love. Second is non-attachment. And then the third is right intention. Um, I think many of us would understand the idea of love, right? That uh, essentially that the, the source is love. God is love. Um, what do you mean by non-attachment in this regard? Yes, uh, yes. So love is, of course, the main battery, the main energy that gives cohesion to everything. You know, uh, I like to to dwell on that also because it's important to understand the universal aspect of love. Because right. people sometimes have a romantic idea of love that is this is beyond that type of love. Uh, for example, you can see it in our solar system. You know, uh, that's why the planets, which of course are living beings, revolve around the sun. They all have their own trajectory. They all have their own, like each one of us has our own life mission, but they don't, you know, stream straight out into space because they're also attracted to the sun. Love is also the law of attraction. It's the same thing with the atom, which has electrons, protons, and neutrons gravitating around the nucleus of the atom. That's the same energy. That's the fire, fire the energy that gives cohesion to everything, everything that holds together, like your body is holding itself together through the power of love. That's its main battery that gives the energy that you need because it's the impulse to help others. You know, if you healing others is not a job; it's a vocation. It's it's it, it, you need to have that impulse, which we call compassion, which is the wisdom of love. Now, non-attachment is the insurance a therapist has or a healer has because there there is a pitfalls for everybody who works in the uh, in the healing modality because we need to understand that every single person has free will so you can't heal a person if that person doesn't want to heal that's you know that's their free will so there are always people that, you know, won't benefit from your help, and it's not your fault. It's their decision, you know. You don't want to be hitting yourself over the head with a hammer because I did not succeed in helping this person and devalorizing yourself, you know, degrading yourself because you did not succeed. And on the other side, it's the same thing. If you're having great success and healing for people while well, getting an inflated ego and thinking you're, you know, you're as important as God the Father and, uh, you know, you're walking around, you know, strutting around like a 
peacock because you think you're so important and uh, looking down on other people you know, or on the heels, you know. It's your insurance policy so that you, those two pitfalls, you don't fall into them. That's the non-attachment. You have to be non-attached to the result of your intervention. Your responsibility relied, resides in doing the best you can. That's it. You do the best you can. And the rest, it's up to the person and to whatever path they're on. So that's a non-attachment. The third one is um, uh, the intention. We mentioned this, you know, at the very beginning of our talk, because it's the intention that you send through the crystal that works. And so you can, uh, I'll give the analogy of a, a motor, you know, an electrical motor. You know, it needs energy, and that energy is love. You know, that's the battery. That's the battery that will make that thing turn, you know, that motor turn, you know. But what brings the energy from love, from the battery, to the motor, to the healing, that electrical cord that that unites the two, that's the intention. And I can give you a very precise example if you have somebody who hurt his knee uh, comes into your healing space and you says uh, your intention is well i want to remove this pain i want to remove this hurt i don't want this person to have any more suffering coming from this injury well that's a very bad intention because what you got in there is pain is injury is hurt and so the energy is going to follow that thought form you know what you got to have as an intention is seeing that person running through the 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 field you know with great ease uh, uh no impediment at all in any part of her body and that's where the energy will flow that's the way the energy will flow so that you know that's being mindful of directing the energy in a way that it will manifest because what's creating your intention uh, your healing is the intention that you're using and this is true for all forms of healing even the medical doctor if he has an idea of what his medication is going to do when he puts that stub of paper to the patient, when he gives a, that prescription to the patient, if he's seeing that and he has love behind that, that's going to work. It, you know, this is, this is universal laws that are applicable to all forms of healing. That's why we call them the three laws of healing. And of course, you know, um, whole, uh, allopathic doctors are taught, uh, you know, the Hippocratic, Hippocratic oath, which, you know, which reads in part, you know, first do no harm, right? And that's a good intention, I think, not to, not to do any harm, because um, uh, unbeknownst to us, you know, that can happen sometimes, because even with our best intentions, uh, we, we, sometimes we, we're, we don't, we're human, we don't see the whole, the whole picture. So, um, help us not to do do any harm is is a huge one, and, and I think uh, you know Gandhi, for instance, was a great exponent of what he called ahimsa, which is again harmlessness, doing uh, non-injury to to anyone. And I think we can we can learn from this right in our in our world right now <laughs> that um, we, we know everybody's taking arms, uh, maybe not physically, but certainly in in their minds uh, against others, and often that does translate into physical arms as well and um and and so try, to try to be a harmless um expansive person is is hugely important i think in our world so we haven't we, we've we've covered a lot of ground we, we haven't even got to crystals yet really have we we talked <laughs> around it but uh, what i liked about the book is even if you're not into crystals so much um there's a lot of information about uh, healing modalities you know how to approach um, your own understanding uh, in terms of centering yourself and, and, and as as a healer in general, uh, which I think we're all called to be. So it, to me, it didn't bother me, you know, because um, it, there's there's so many ways to heal and you explicate them well, I think, in in this book. But but then we talk about crystals. So uh, let, let's let's talk about crystals. Uh, you said that in, at the beginning of the show, um, Native Americans have less crystals than the, the multiplicity of crystals used in New Age. There seem to be quite a, a lot in the book, though. Um, that, and you, you, there's a beautiful uh, section of the center, by the way, folks, um, with color plates of the, the various crystals that uh, Luke uh, Blue Eagle talks about. Um, 
if you could sum up why crystals are potent, uh, what would it be? Well, it's because of their molecular structure. Um, you see, um, there's a there's a simple way to explain this: is that crystals are like the flowers of the mineral kingdom. They're the most evolved beings of the mineral kingdom, and this is because they have taken on a very precise molecular structure. Their molecular structure is very, very well organized. It's very specific forms uh, on a physical level, and it's perfect. Their, their makeup is perfect on a physical level. Their molecules are perfect, which that's why uh, uh, when there's no inclusions in a crystal, it's trans translucent. You can actually see through a crystal. It's, it's transparent uh, because there's room between the molecules. You know, that's because there's, there's order. And it's this order that does that everything that goes through a crystal will be transformed by that order. Even on a physical sense, you know, our modern electronic world works on crystals, you know, and there's a simple explanation that I can give to you. Uh, if you, for example, take a quartz crystal and you put it on a, with a point, you know, a one-pointed quartz crystal and you hit it with a, ma uh, with a hammer, you'll see coming out of the point uh, a spark. It has transformed the mechanical energy into electrical energy. This is how this phone is working right now. There's this tiny piece of crystal in there, and as the voice imprints um, yeah, a certain pressure with the, the sound on that crystal, it, uh, it is then amplified through the electronics, and you receive the sound. Okay. That's through this, this capacity of changing mechanical energy into electrical energy. And the contrary is true. If you send electrical energy into a crystal, it, it will start pulsating. It will transform the electrical energy into mechanical energy. And that's how your crystal watch, uh, quartz watch works. You know, there's this tiny piece of crystal in there, and there's a little battery that sends electrical current. And so it starts pulsing vibrating at a precise rate because it's precise you know it's the molecular structure is perfect so it's precise and so that's how it measures time so but when you're using a crystal in a healing modality well then you're working with healing energy the physical body's healing energy the electromagnetic energy the um, emotional energy the mental energy the spiritual energy uh, you're using these types of energies, which will all be transformed in a perfect way by the crystal. That's why we're always saying it's not the crystal that's important, because the crystal in electronics can be singing by Coca-Cola, you know. They're not sending the right message to people, because they don't decide what message they're sending. It's the person behind the crystal, his intention, his purity of thought, his degree of love and compassion that will influence as it flows through the crystal and becomes a very perfected, that's why I say it's often like a laser beam, because you can really precisely orient the energy in such a way that you can work in a very precise manner with the crystal. Do you, is that is that understandable by you? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? No, I, I do. I think that was a very clear explication, and um, and also, you know, you you mentioned a lot of the techniques for um, purifying crystals and and making sure that there's congruity, right, between the your intention, your consciousness, and the uh, and the honor you give to the crystal that you're going to be working with. So. I think I read that, you know, you soak it in salt water for a number of days, et cetera, and different other things that you do. Um, and it's, it's in a sense, I feel it's not just about the crystal. It's about our dedication. You know, you mentioned that uh, you had a study for 12 years before you'd even be introduced to a crystal right back in the old days. And um, th this is all about you, isn't it? About us, about our... Um, uh, dedication. Uh, you know, there's old stories in the Buddhist tradition where you know students have been uh, almost abused. You know to test their fortitude, their willingness to to really commit to the spiritual path. Once they proved themselves, then you know they were given deeper teachings. And I, I think there's a power to that, isn't there? If you're given it too easily, right? Um, if it's all handed to you, sometimes you don't understand uh, and respect its power and and the 
um, the, the honor that you have in dealing with these things. Yes, normally these kinds of teachings would not be shared openly like they are today. It's just because we are at the end of times and we have to move really fast uh, at this time to try to save what we can of what's left of the Mother Earth and her many, many natural beings that were more open at this time with these teachings. Because normally, you know, you go very slowly and test a person uh, for years uh, before you would start sharing some of this information. But right, uh, right now, you know, it's it's going really fast, and uh, so we have to move. Uh, you know, the energies around the Earth are accelerating. Everything is accelerating at a very fast pace right now because we're uh, transforming into uh, a new world. You know, we have to let go of this... Uh, technocratic mind that is destroying the earth and we have to come back to uh, the real reason we're here which is spiritual which is a school of uh, our evolution and uh, the way we ever uh, we evolve the most is when we're in intimate contact with nature because we come from nature our bodies were formed in nature uh, through uh, millions of years. So when your body is in nature, well, then it develops to the most. And there's a good example that can help you to understand this. Is Imagine a, a person in an indigenous setting. Uh, they're living with their parents all the time. You know, They're, they're always with the, their community. So there's a lot of love around them all the time. They don't have to go to school because they're learning directly from their parents and from the, their friends and uh, extended family uh, in a very, uh, you know, down-to-earth, uh, common-sense way every day. So they're, they're very nourished on a, an emotional level. And the stimuli they receive is extensive because everything around them is moving. The natural world is full of sounds. There's always the wind, the sound of the animals, the sound of the rain, the sound of... There's so many different sounds all the time. And there's so many different uh, colors and things moving. The animals are moving. The leaves are moving. The wind is moving. Things. The waters are moving. Everything is moving around them. And uh, the tastes are extensive also. You know, there's a lot more taste because the 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 children are are testing everything you know children you know look at a small baby the first thing it does is take something and puts it in its mouth well that's what they do in nature they're testing everything they're tasting everything and of course there's a lot more texture to the natural world than it is imagine a, a person now in the classroom the same child in the classroom they're between four walls the person that's teaching them has them sitting at a desk and they can't move. It's a stranger that's telling them what to do. Uh, they're estranged from their family. There is often no love in that environment, and often the other children are cruel. Uh, they don't have a lot of stimuli. There's not a lot of sounds around them. They're in between four walls. There's not a lot of texture. What they're seeing around them is every day the same thing, you know. So the stimuli, the, uh, the, the, what they're receiving is a lot less than what a person in, in the indigenous setting would receive. So the person in, in indigenous setting is a lot more evolved. They're stronger physically. Uh, they have a lot more equilibrium emotionally. Uh, they have a much better memory because in nature you need to have a lot. You know, they're not leaving by rote at a book. They're leaving. For example, if you're walking through the woods and you want to know your way, you have to recognize everything. You have to remember everything. So they developed an incredible memory, a much better memory than people today that have to rely on their phone for everything. And of course, spiritually, there's no comparison. There really, the, there were powers in every single small community. There were people with powers all over the place because, you know, there were some people that could fly through the air with their physical bodies. There were people who could teleport. There were people that could heal a broken bone in 15 minutes. There were uh, people who could uh, shift the, the clouds aside and call the rain that would be there within 15 minutes. And uh, there's, I have a book here that describes, it's a whole book, it's a big book, uh, that describes everything that the white people saw when they came here and they couldn't understand. How were the native people doing this? And this is because they're developing a lot faster and a lot better. So we have to come back to that uh, life uh, of unity with nature. And uh, that's what's going to happen in the coming years. You know, it's going to come back. There's going to be a global purification because uh, it's gone much too far. We've destroyed 
90% of the fauna of this planet in the last 10 years, which is incredibly horrific uh, destruction of our natural world. And every single species we destroy, we're impoverishing ourselves. And I explained this a bit earlier in our talk. So, you know, it's everything comes back to nature. You know, the, the laws of the universe is a lot stronger than the technocratic mind of human beings. This is going to be uh, pushed back to the origin, and then we start over again. As it's happened uh, already, this is going to be the fourth time we see this, because Native people have a longer history than uh, Western civilization. Western civilization is 12,000 years, which is relatively short period, uh, time span. And uh, Native uh, history goes back 127,500 years. So you can measure that, you know, that's like uh, nearly 10 times the... the uh, it is 10 times what... Uh, modern Western history uh, has, you know. And so we've seen uh, repeatedly that when mankind loses its way, like it has today, that there's a global purification. Many of the spiritual books on Earth remember the last one, which was the Great Flood. That's the last global purification that happened on the planet. But there were two more before that that we remember, and probably more before that, you know. But we remember three, and we're in the fourth one. It started in 1969, and it's accelerating every year. And uh, we're seeing that if you listen to the um, weather reports all over the planet, you'll see that everything is accelerating on that level. Right. I think you're right. And words to the wise, yeah, we, we have to wrap up. We're at the end of the show, but... Uh... Let's hope we don't destroy ourselves before that that rebirth that we're we're praying for here. Uh, let me tell you about next week, and then we'll, we, I've got one final question. Uh, next week, author, photographer, blogger, traveler, and musician Jan Phillips joins me. She's going to talk about her new book. It's called Still on Fire, uh, Field Notes from a Queer Mystic. So that should be interesting. Join me for that next week. Um, Final question, look, you can take a crystal to bed, correct? Yep. And interesting things might happen? Yeah, yeah, you need to purify it first. Uh, very important to purify it, have a right relationship with it, you know, established relationship. And then, yes, you can bring it to bed because it will help you. There's a part of you that's uh, the logical mind that can't understand too well the crystal, but that's asleep Is at the... night. Yeah, well, that's a good thing to do. Thank you so much, Luke, for being on the show. We're at the end of time. Thanks for listening, folks. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash IMDivine2022. 